Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Welcome to the Engage for Success Radio show and show number 411 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We are raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. You can visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And I'm Andy Gorham, one of the hosts of the show and founder of BizJuicer, a consultancy that helps companies connect purpose and proposition to their people and create stickier, more successful businesses from the inside out. And today, I'm speaking with special guest, Daria Flanagan, who's the Wellbeing Engagement Manager at E.ON. Daria has been at the center of E.ON's global strategy, hashtag choose to care, and is creating an environment of openness and challenging the stigma of mental and physical health conditions. Now, as World Mental Health Day approaches, who better to talk to about the importance of well-being conversations and how they can create an authentic and caring workplace. Hi, Daria. Welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. How's things? All right, mate. I I can't wait to get stuck into your story. Um, but why don't you why don't you ease us in and tell us a little bit about you and and how you got into the whole well-being thing? Well, I fell into uh, the world of well-being, really, um, like a lot of people. Um, always been a bit of a nomad. Um, I worked overseas for a long time. I went to uh, university in Berlin. I did a lot of work with the Girl Guides in the UK and in internationally. Um, and I always knew that my passion was about people. But well-being and mental health wasn't really a thing then. It certainly wasn't a career or a, a job opportunity. Um, so I came back to the UK when... Um, Hong Kong was handed back over to China. So I come back to the UK uh, whilst working out what I wanted to do when I kind of grew up uh, and <laughs> used my social politics degree. Um, I took on a two-week assignment with E.ON. Um, it was PowerGen at the time, uh, and the rest is history, really. Uh, an opportunity here, a comment there. Um, and the rise, really, of a kind of the well uh, work-life balance kind of agenda as a topic really led me to our health and safety function and HR. And that's really where wellbeing was born out of. Um, and that's 20 years ago. And uh, here I still am now. Just 20 years ago. You make it sound so matter of fact, l- l- lacked into this, had a bit of that, got a bit of the other <laughs> rubbish. I've, this is this is a great story and a lot of hard work, I'm sure. And it's such a massive, a massive topic right now, Daria, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's become even more pertinent and this really isn't a conversation about pandemics and um, COVID, but I think that's really brought to the mind and accelerated some of the conversations that I've been working 20 years to have. So it can only be a really good thing. Absolutely. With such a big topic, where on earth do we start, Daria? I mean, you have you've been on a long journey with the good folk yeah. at Eon. It's This yeah. is not something that's just happened you know, the things that you've been doing. So when you're coming into a business, maybe let's let's take a look like this. When you're coming into a business and you're trying to create an environment where it's where it's okay to talk about things like mental health and physical well-being and all that stuff, where did you start? How did you begin this journey? 
and I think that's sometimes the hardest things for pe- because people and businesses don't really know where to start. I suppose for us, it's easier to start at the end to kind of motivate and inspire people because we made the mistakes along the way as well uh, and we've learned from them and we've measured what works really well. So I guess if I start from the middle towards the end is that um, for us about five years ago, storytelling became a really hot topic and on the circuit, we all go to network events. You know, well-being is a, a mental health is a really strange area where it, it falls between the cracks of so many things. But when you do go and do some networking, um, there was really the, at the same time as the rise of time to talk um, and time to change and their movements. And they used lots of celebrities, Ruby Wax, Stephen Fry, oh, yes. Campbell, mm. and those guys really were powerful at bringing and creating a movement and we're really at the fore of this kind of mental health and challenging stigma and I went to a few network events I really wanted to be best practice in this area and so I started with those guys who really were you know at the forefront of this um but it didn't quite fit for us um because I went back and it was very celebrity (laughs) and and I think that, you know, in a workplace at the time, you know, we had 18,000 colleagues in those days, very male environment at the time. And talking about celebrities, mental health was really good, you know, nationally, but actually taking it back to the workplace, we really had to think about um, what it meant for us and what it looked like. So we initially had three colleagues that we were so proud of that have now become trailblazers that we didn't realise at the um, time. But we published their stories um, as part of our um, mental health awareness sessions and our managers training. And we almost wanted case studies, but not quite. Um, so we used real life personal stories to start a conversation and start a debate. And then last 12 months alone, we've published 85 colleague stories. Wow. So those three people probably will never know how powerful their stories were at the beginning. And I think they motivated and inspired people. Um, But I think where we saw the real big change is when we linked that kind of strategic narrative. So we really tried to put the inspiration and the motivation together. But when we linked it to our company purpose, and you mentioned Choose to Care, Mm. that was our global strap line for health and safety. Um, And once we linked it to that purpose and we added colleague voice and impact together with that it embedded the changes and the messages somehow became more authentic and marrying those things together really was the spark that changed the dynamic of the conversation i think when i mean that's a really good catch i think lots of businesses could learn lessons from trying to link these things to a great a greater meaning because businesses are littered aren't they with hundreds and if not thousands of initiatives that employees just get lost with too many yeah. too many things going on right and yeah. so how can you all drive behind so many things when there's so many things to opt in and opt out of whereas yeah. i think the lesson here and we, we'll touch on it again later i'm sure being authentic having one message that you get behind with a greater sense of purpose is is a great way to start momentum and build momentum right and if you're trying to create a movement as you were those are those are very very powerful things but when you think back to that huge task as you say oh we're just lucked into well-being rubbish um can you remember what the very first action that you had to take was what started it all 
Well, I, I had to do a bit of reflection to go back all that time. But um, last year we celebrated on World Mental Health Day 10 years of mental health and well-being at Eon. And we looked back over that kind of 10 years. We really reflected. And one of the very first things we did was we signed the Time to Talk organisational pledge. And we were one of the first 10 companies to do that. And that was only ended last year and over 700 companies were signed up to it in the end. So that gave us that purpose and partnership. And I think because a lot of people hadn't done anything to do with mental health, it really had been born out of work-life balance. And it was talk about flexible working and Mm. that's all the narrative was really. So I knew that if we were doing something about physical health, you know, heart health, we would go to the British Heart Foundation. If we were doing something, you know, we would go to what was seen as a a charity partner or a leader in that area. So why wouldn't we do the same for mental health as new and as fresh as that was? So that um, partnership with Time to Change started really early on. And that organisational pledge, I remember the day when we signed it and the diversity manager at the time was there too. And, um, and the director of Time to Change, Sue, was there and we signed it on a big check, you know, like he used to do charity things ah. and if you raised £100, it was one of those big checks. It's still in the in the storeroom now, um, but we took it around to sites and things like that and we were really proud of it. We didn't know what it meant for us, but that was genuinely now, thinking about it, the start of our journey. That is a very good gun going off, isn't it? The The big the big visual piece attached to a movement that's at the time bigger than bigger than you and really not knowing mm-hmm. where it was going or, or what, but it was a good use this word momentum starter yeah. again for you. So, okay. So you've, you've, you're in your job, you've, you've signed the big pledge. Um, now you're getting onto the job of trying to continually build this momentum and start to have this thing take life. Right. Um, yeah. And, and getting people to contribute on on topics that in the main would have been fairly new and possibly raw for people to be talking about, right? So take us through that. What, what happened? What stories can you tell us about getting that stuff going? Well, I've always been a people person. I never really ever needed it to be me, you know. Well, it's always me talking, but, you know, it never <laughs> had to be just about me. So in the early days, we ran roadshows. We had 38 sites, you know, power stations, we have customer service um, offices and everything in between north to south, Scotland to south coast. So we kind of did this roadshow and we took the big edge board around and we started to talk to people and um, we had to start thinking bigger. We didn't really know where we were going. We were genuinely feeling our way with this and it's great to be a trailblazer, but you've got to be bold and brave Mm. to do that. So we did what we knew was right. So what we tried to do was we used things like the Sports and Social Club. We used our Junior um, and Health and Safety Rep. All of those things that were in place and we knew somehow that very early days of employee voice were there and use what was already there and bring those people along. So um, we, I was going to say we started small, but when I was thinking about, you know, what we talk about, there's... Um, we then decided to have this big shed. We thought about, you know, what people would think about and men and sheds, because it was a male-dominated area at that time. As you we said, thought yeah. about how you shoved everything in a shed and then it got too cluttered and you couldn't get to what you wanted. So we used that as an analogy. And 
I did a proposal and just said, can I have a six foot by eight foot shed? And can I put it in our, you know, in our UK headquarters? And how about actually if we took it on tour and how would we get it round? And, you know, the biggest thing people were talking about then was the health and safety hazard tape on the door so nobody tripped into the shed or out of the shed. <laughs> you know, I don't think we quite realised how being brave and bold, because it genuinely was a shed. So we had um, a graffiti wall on the back and... As we were talking to people, I was saying, oh, why don't you write, you know, a, a kind of a positive affirmation? We would never have called it that then. Yeah. A hint and tip, you know, what helps you to shut off? And people were like, kick the dog, you know, sing, all these kind of things. And it was our first attempt as well. Again, we probably didn't realise it, but our first attempt at some evaluation of hearing other people's voices, what did people want to see? We were really brave. We invited Dame Carol Black, um, who at the time was really instrumental in raising the issues of workplace health. She came along to um, one of our Headshed Roadshows and we were able to start that kind of national dialogue and Eon became part of that. And um, I think our colleague profile helped us to think more creatively about how we landed the message and we still use things like the HSE um, stress standards. And so we still wanted it to be evidence-based, but we wanted that splash of creativity. And we just moved with the times then. We used external dates and key internal events. So we went from, there weren't many, well, you know, there was World Mental Health Day and the odd time to change day. But so we, we needed to keep it going. We needed to keep it on the radar. So we genuinely then put it on our key internal events, our apprenticeship roadshows our leaders conferences and that really changed the profile because it took it from an external kind of eon power gen was known externally to actually we got people internally talking about it in their normal day-to-day business which was um, a, a shift change really and uh, from my own experience in in dealing with some of some of these sorts of things nothing like your 10 years of creating a, a movement from scratch um how did you find the balance between, I guess, the genuinely, um, I'll use the word incorrectly, but sad stories uh, yeah. of people battling with things and the other side of the coin, the, the positive, happy state of people, you know, making changes and, and sharing this stuff and, and coming out the other side? Because that, that's sometimes quite a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? It's huge. And as we've learned more and more now, is that mental health is a spectrum. You know, it, it, it's a, whether that be a straight line, whether it be a curly line, a, a wiggly line, you know, like Christmas lights, you know, it's kind of, we all put the things away in different ways and we all manage stuff in different ways. And I think that for us, we had to learn that mental health wasn't just talking about big stuff, you know, health conditions. Um, we had to kind of think that sometimes the small things are what really disrupt people's lives um but notwithstanding knowing that we have got people who have mental health conditions but working out what what we can a a kind of balance between having a support network having services and tools for early intervention such as our eap our employee assistance program so making sure we've got support in place but also creating this openness where people and feel that they're their best self and reach out. And I think those were, that's what really changed the, the narrative. It wasn't about mental health, was about being sad or having depression. 
this was about a real positive about how do you reach in or how do you reach out and the balance of that and what we could all do to contribute to that, whether that we were affected personally or we were managing somebody who was affected or we were just trying to be a great colleague or a great employer, you know, really open to that. It's the, it's the bigger picture that really made a difference to that. Mm. And so I know you're very keen on talking about the involvement and, and not pseudo involvement, but really proper, authentic involvement uh, of people right across the business, because this was not a top-down exercise, right? This was a genuine desire to understand the needs, the wants, the troubles um, of of the guys in the business, right? But yeah, absolutely. But that's tricky. <laughs> that that's tricky because it, it it takes that balance of leadership. There's a bit of people going first because i i think people need to see examples and witnesses and like you said trailblazers um to believe that these things can be shared or that, that there is room to tell their story or that their story is valid um and and worth hearing so so how do you so how do you get across those things i mean is that just a a battle of wills and just keep doing the same things or the specific things that you tried to do Daria to to increase that in inclusion well I think because of my personality type I'm not easy to say no to so within our organization <laughs> I've built up a reputation of here comes Daria watch out <laughs> I was going to say professional and um, and outcome impact led so I think it's really important to have the creativity which people are scared by i get that sometimes sometimes there has to be a little bit of let it go because we know it's going to work it sounds ridiculous but we know it's going to work to the, to the top and tail of being data led insight driven and evaluation and quite often within mental health and well-being is that you know the person that owns that within any organization big or small often it gets landed with you know it's not always their job so I think quite often you talked about one thing earlier where you start a lot of people start with their sickness absence and of course we know our sickness absence we monitor it we measure it we look at the improvements we hot spot and all of those kind of things but if you only look at that you, you can't you can't always drive real change from that and sometimes it increases before it you know because you, before you make a difference so what we wanted to do was really look wider and get a, a, a really good insight rather than just be data-led. So for three years running, we used the um, Mind Workplace Wellbeing um, Index Survey, where uh, there's about 100 um, companies in there, third sector, SMEs, big corporates. And there's a, there's a staff survey and there's an organisational survey and um, the great people at Mind put all that together and give you a, 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 a uh, report you also get a, a standard so uh, bronze silver gold and the first year we did it we got silver and it gave us a real insight our report gave us some recommendations we looked at those I action planned against them and it gave me a real good hook to talk to all different levels of our organization and I think the thing we then went to gold we made some changes we went to gold and we maintained gold but even though we kept getting gold, we were always looking for continuous improvement. I guess it's all, always like trying to be an Olympian and get your personal best, not just retain gold. But one of the common themes throughout it all was um, introducing a champion network. So oh, yeah. um, 
we thought that the word champion was a bit boring. Um, so with me and my creativity and active lead and passion, um, we put together this um, champion network called Wellbeing Warriors. And they needed to have lived experience or physical or mental health conditions because they're so intertwined. We didn't want one or the other. Everybody has um, a lived experience. And we really thought that um, we looked at about 30 people initially. We put the uh, call to action out for recruitment. And in the first 24 hours, we had about 70, 80 people. And then within that, you know, the two week, we had over 150 colleagues who really wanted to get involved. So we doubled our initial um, intake from 30 to 60 had never done it before so again we went back to time to change we looked at the champion training um to mental health focus for us and we wanted to put that physical stuff in as well so i created a uh, an awareness uh, training for those guys and it's grown from strength to strength of course these people uh, work in every single job role we have they work across our organization from seniority from location from lived experience and I think that that allowed them to be passionate challenge stigma in their own business and that really helps you know they've given over a thousand hours of their um, support um, whether that be individual conversations whether that be signposting whether that's sitting on their business forums and we didn't want to just recreate stuff so we looked at what they were doing and we found this um, initiative that we did called Time to Talk about six, seven years ago, one-off, three, four sessions with our board members. So I just did it off during COVID and we started doing them um, virtually. And what we did was we decided that we would lead it, put it out to all of our UK leadership, to our top 100 in effect. And these, these guys, like I said, don't like to say no to me. And I was a bit persuasive. And we have run, um, by the end of this year, we will have run 50 sessions with over 800 colleagues, 45 minutes, open forums, up to 12, 15 colleagues, um, confidential, a wellbeing warrior supports every one of them. And our, the only request to our leaders was to be bold, vulnerable and open. And they've told stories from bereavement to losing a child um, career progression, flexible working, everything in between. And together with those two kinds of initiatives, it's seen genuine improvement of leading that open, honest culture where people can talk, share and learn from each other. And it's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. The last 12, 18 months has been amazing with that. It's, it sounds like an, an incredible journey. And just thinking about that authentic level of, of, of leadership, now it feels like it doesn't matter who you are in the business, that you've got a confidence to be able to speak up and be supported. In the early days, how important was that uh, leadership going first piece? Um, I don't know whether we still realise how important it was. But it's allowed the leadership, it's like a 360, mm. it's allowed leaders to hear colleagues who don't necessarily work for them, you know, everybody from different parts of the business, open to all colleagues. And it's allowed them to see potentially where we had a few cracks, where we could um, fill some gaps, 
but they've heard it from reality. It's not a you know um, a, a investment proposal. It's not a gap analysis. It's not in a PowerPoint presentation. This has been leaders listening to colleagues, colleagues listening to leaders, and everybody feeling like there is a real connection there and a, a, a joint purpose. And I think that has really had a, an impact. And we did set out for it to be a 360 model. That's been, you know, a side product of that. But it's allowed leaders where they've wanted to, not to just do that 45 minute session, but to really think I can make a difference here. Mm. And we've seen things with our menopause. We did one on the menopause. We've done one on men's health. And the menopause especially took a life of its own. The leader that did that really took it back to the leadership team, talked about their experiences, what they heard, what they thought was great, what they thought we could do, set up a task force. We've put colleagues onto that task force. So it's not just a strategic high-level review. We've looked at our policies, our processes. We've set up things like a menopause cafe, Um and we've done another, um, we'll be doing two more time to talks um, around menopause, uh, World Menopause Day, where we put in the men in menopause. So we've got one of our uh, male leaders uh, running that one, as well as another leader running um, a menopause cafe. And the benefit and the felt benefit has been phenomenal. And you can't measure that. You really can't measure that. And what, what can you measure? Derry, and what, what, what would you see as the major benefits outside of that that, that the organisation and the people within it have now benefited from? Well, I think at the same time, our diversity inclusion agenda was growing. And I think that's allowed that to be amplified without having to go through all the uh, legwork that we'd put in behind. And I think that's really... Um, that's really set it on solid foundations. And we've been able to talk to the uh, diversity and inclusion networks and really talk about what's worked, how we've managed that and how people have felt. So it kind of also devolves the responsibility to those guys to really drive within their communities and amplify the messages because we've already had some great wins from that. So people already know and trust that what we're saying is real and authentic and I think that's where the real felt benefit will be and with all these things it sometimes takes five ten years doesn't it it's the immediate things we hear people we hear people in the moment giving great evaluation coming back to us saying this changed my life this made me reach out I was scared to talk before I've never said this before I'm now open and honest I've asked my manager for flexible working I've got a risk assessment I wouldn't have talked about it I phoned the employee assistance program I'm gaining counseling I've talked to my partner whatever it might be you know so for a personal impact it's amazing and it's a big business I think now we've got that real solid foundation to just grow and grow and grow with that people agenda diversity inclusion and all of that and you must have seen the benefits of loyalty retention productivity goodwill all of those, all of those things that come out as outcomes of, of of just making your people feel like they matter and are significant. And we know that has to be felt. We don't always measure it, but I'll certainly take the claims, and um, that doesn't help me with getting more investment. And I know that Eon believes in that because they wouldn't allow me to carry on with what I'm doing if that wasn't there. And anecdotally, that's coming out in the messaging. And um, 
Have we measured it? And we've got really great statistics to be able to throw out. Not quite yet, but we're really working on that. And we're, we can see that um, from those three years, at least in the MIND Index, we can see our ranking um, within those 100 organisations go up and up and up from the middle right to the, you know, to the pinnacle where we're kind of in the top five. So we do know that when we measure it, that we are making an effect because that's 2,000 colleague voices every time we've done it saying how they feel and give it warts and all. So to be able to move up at that index has been really great to see. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so look, finally, Daria, if you're looking back after everything that's been achieved over those last 10 years, if you could hop in your time machine and pop back to, to young Daria and offer yourself some advice as you set out on this quest, what, what would be your one piece of advice that you would utter? Um, well, I turned 50 last week, so it's a, it's a great question. And I've been doing a lot of reflection on you know, <laughs> what would I tell my younger self in general. But I'm not sure I'd do too much differently. Um, I think it would be more of a remember and a reminder rather than advice. But I think probably in the early days, I tried to please too many people at the beginning. So I think um, for me, it's believe in you and do it your way. Because if you do it your way, you can be more authentic and you can be your best self. So you're not pretending to be anybody else. And from my point of view, give others the voice. So it's okay to be the conductor. You still make beautiful music. You don't have to play all the notes yourself. And that's really something that I would have stressed less about if I'd have been able to tell myself that. Not even 10 years ago, you know, 20, 30 something years ago. That comes from lots of personal experiences of mine um, and this imposter syndrome kind of thing that I carry around with me. But actually, somebody taught me recently as a, as a mentor that being the conductor is still as important and you can actually be better because you have more people around you singing, you know, singing that song and it will reach more people eventually. So I think that would be my reflection on that. That's a lovely, lovely metaphor to finish with. And unfortunately, that's about all we have time for today. Um, now, listen, listeners, don't forget to visit engagementsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all of our fab free employee engagement resources where you can also download or stream any of these great shows from our archive at your leisure. And thank you very much, Daria, for passionately sharing your experiences and insights with us today. Frankly, it's always good to speak to people who are really out there making this stuff happen. So, Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks, Andy. You're welcome. We'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to the Engage for Success radio show. Engage for Success radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.